FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 460 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked! I'm your host, Jason. I don't know why I echo my own snick. I do it to um, approximate the echoing I get from various co-hosts, specifically when Denise used to be on, and then Georgie has kind of carried the torch when the Excaliburs come on, and I don't know, it just feels naked without it, so I started filling it in myself, so if it sounds silly, I apologize. Um, Also apologize, I've gotten a little behind on episodes. you know, sometimes life gets in the way, uh, but I am um, actually, uh, my youngest is homesick today, so I'm taking the day off, and he is currently taking a nap, so I'm going to try and squeeze an episode out um, while he is sleeping. He looks so cute laying on the sofa, just curled up in a little ball. Um, anyway, hopefully he'll feel better soon, but you know, might as well see if I can get some stuff done while he's resting. Um, so we're going to talk about um, some Wolverine comics. Yep, that's what we're going to do. So here we go. Uh, first up is Wolverine number 15. This is going to be Scent Hounds or Deceiver. Written by Benjamin Percy. Art by Adam Kubert. Colors by Frank Martin. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! Designed by Tom Mueller, and the cover is by Adam Kubert and Frank Martin. I don't always mention the variant covers, but I actually got the uh, AAPI Heritage variant cover by Indiak Lee, which is of Jubilee. It's just a nice big picture of Jubilee. Uh, the background is white and pink, and Jubilee is there, very brightly colored with yellows and pinks, and she's popping a bubble with her bubble gum, and it looks fantastic. Now, the normal Adam Kubert cover is fine. I mean, it's Kubert, so it's going to be a certain level of good no matter what. But um, it's basically a big, hulking um, Arako pirate, or Severed Blackmore. He's kind of leaning over towards the front of the cover, and then in front of him, with his back to the reader, is Wolverine, and he's pretty tore up. Um, his, let's see, if he's turned that way, it'd be his left leg, like from the knee down to the foot is just adamantium bone like all his flesh and muscle has been flayed away and there's a big chunk missing out of his back and we see his skeleton through that as well um it's not a bad cover but this uh aapi cover in jubilee just really caught my eye and i could not leave it on the stands it's just one of those things that like i i had to get it <laughs> and i didn't get all of those variants but i had to get that one Alright, so what we got going on in this story, remember that Wolverine, so we have this Arako pirate who has come to Earth, Sever Blackmore, this big, huge monster of a man, and he bleeds acid, right? So if he gets cut, he bleeds acid, or he can also, like, cut himself or, and make acid, right? Um, even a little, like, paper cuts. Anyway, uh, he's a pirate, but we find out that he, at the end of last issue, that he has some kind of professional relationship with Solemn. And so maybe Solemn is back on Earth, on Earth as well, so Wolverine's going to try to figure out what's going on, track him down, all that. So he wants Blackmore's help. And so we get 
a scene of Wolverine and Blackmore kind of talking and drinking, and uh, Blackmore is going to tell Wolverine what he knows about Solemn's history. And so on Arnico, long ago, um, basically, Solemn, I'm sorry, uh, Blackmore was being, you know, a pirate, as he was on Arnico, just running around raiding stuff, and one of the villages they killed everyone with this one kid, uh, a pale pale young man with dark hair and he went to cut him down with his sword but his sword broke on Solemn's adamantium flexible skin <laughs> remember that's one of his his mutations right he has this like adamantium mesh skin and it broke uh, Blackmore's sword and he was very intrigued so he threw him in jail or in pirate prison but the kid kept getting out. Everything they did, every shackle, every cage, no matter what, he got out. So, Severe Blackmore was like, huh, you know what? Why waste a resource? I couldn't kill the kid. I kept him. Um, he obviously is like a Houdini escape artist, so let's see what I, let's see what we got to work with. So he started training him. Started training him how to fight, how to steal, how to trick people and deceive people, um, basically taught him how to be like a super spy pirate um and was very impressed with the results he got uh also found out that Solomon was very much um I guess what you call like a hedonist right just very all about uh satisfying those pleasure centers and um you know food woman drink uh well not just sexuality right uh I don't think he's confined explicitly to women or even alien I don't know I guess with aliens and stuff he'd probably be pansexual um but anyway the the pleasures of the flesh and the pleasures of the drink and the pleasures of the belly he was all about all that um and you know he started just kind of stealing stuff and really got kind of too good and Blackmore got worried and then one day Solomon came in with a knife and cut off Blackmore's nose and basically kind of said, live and let live. Like, I appreciate what you've done for me, but I also remember that you slaughtered my village and some things you just can't forget. So, and I think it was also kind of a power play, right? Like, so it was not only like a long-served, like long-game revenge of like, hey, I'm going to keep being a pirate with you, but I'm exacting my pound of flesh from what you did to me and my family. But I think it's also like, uh, by the way, yeah, you kind of work for me now. <laughs> and so, you know, that's kind of how it goes. And he stole Blackmore's ship, which is this really big pirate ship with a giant skeleton on the front. You almost wonder how it even floats. Um, and this huge, like, ram demon skull on the front of the ship. That would obviously make a awesome battering ram like if you're a pirate and you see a ship and you can go and just ram the hell out of it and, and board it and take the stuff you want so anyway pretty awesome pirate ship and Solemn steals it and you know for a long time that's the last Blackmore saw so we go back to the Truant's Cove north of Madripoor Logan and Blackmore are drinking still and he talks about how he feel like Solemn came to Earth and went to Madripoor. We have a lucky tiger casino, which is a tiger with an eye patch and a spade, like the playing card, on the eye patch. Um, 
Now Saul just kind of went to town and Blackmore found him and slammed him into the card table and threw him around and was really upset. But um, of course Saul, remember, has the other uh, mirror Musa blade and he cut open some slot machines. Coins spilled out. Blackmore fell over. Uh, Blackmore chased him. Um, and he talks about how he went to the ship. So, um, because Wolverine's like, you know, fascinating as your dating history might be. None of this explains what you're doing aboard the Marauder. And he goes, what do you think I'm doing? I'm a pirate. <laughs> I heard there was a load of logic diamonds on board, and there wasn't. Uh, someone already got to it, and he found a chip from the Lucky Tiger Casino. So, solemn beat him to the punch, stole his booty, stole his plunder. Um, and then all the Russians showed up, and we saw that in the previous issue. Um... But yeah, he feels like Solomon's making a plan. Like he's going to do something on Earth, but he's just laying the groundwork. He hasn't done it yet. And Blackmore's like, you know, this is the first big move, and we're both pawns. And he kind of thinks, you know what? Maybe we can do this together. Um, we get an awesome snicked where the claws make the eye of the snick that Wolverine's hitting the table and goes, you know, I was thinking, once I gutted you for information, I might as well just kill you for moving on to him. And Blackmore says, you know what's funny? I was thinking something similar about you. Um, and they're going to fight. And um, Solemn stops. Oh, magnetic flooring. He pulls this bone lever. It's like a bone in the wall. And Wolverine gets stuck to the floor because it was adamantium. And, uh, and then Blackmore bites his hand. So it bleeds and he literally like flings his hand at Wolverine and just drops the ass and go all over his face and arms. And he tried to shield himself. Then the book goes sideways. We get a classic, like, 90s uh, sideways double-page spread. And Solemn... I'm sorry, Blackmore. I keep getting their... I keep saying their names wrong. I apologize. Uh, Blackmore just six all his pirates on him. And there's a... There's a bunch of cool pirates here. There's, like, guys with crab claws and demon horns and look like zombies. There's one pirate in the middle of the panel. This big, giant panel. And it's a mutant parrot and the parrot has wings but he also has arms so it's like a like a parrot griffin kind of i guess but he's got a, a hook hand and you can't tell if he has an eye patch or not but he's got a pirate sword but he's got a he's got a pirate hook for hands like a captain hook parrot and i want to know his story i want benjamin percy to elaborate i want him and adam kubert to do a Captain Polly Hook <laughs> miniseries. I'm assuming that's his name, Polly Hook. That's what I'm going with. Um, and I, I think he wants more than a cracker. But um, anyway, I, I don't know. That one just really caught my eye, and I, I want to see some backstory on that. But um, yeah, so then uh, Blackmore reveals that he has the Mirror Musa Blade and kind of holds it over Wolverine's head. Like, if I destroy it, I destroy the soul that's kept inside it, which, of course, is Miramusa himself. Um, and, you know, he starts to, to put it in his hand that's cut. Like, the ass is going to melt the blade. And um, we find out that as Blackmore was chasing Solomon in the casino, you know, Solomon was cutting stuff up. He was getting away. But, you know, he cut down all these machines on top of Blackmore. And then the security team showed up and started shooting and Solemn um, threw the sword to, to cut a giant chandelier which landed on Blackmore. And then he swept away and Blackmore grabbed the sword. And um, 
know, he, he's, so we go back to the present. Blackmore is threatening to destroy the, the blade. And we get an awesome double snack. And Wolverine says, stop. That's definitely a contender for snack of the year. Uh, double snack of the year. And basically, Blackmore says, you know, I watched you during Ten of Swords. And I bet on you, and I, I basically had some good time winning some money. Um, he said, you want the sword? Bring me solemn. I'll trade. So then, um, we go back to Krakoa, and we're on the summer house on the moon, and Wolverine goes to his room, and he's looking at his Miramusa blade. Because remember when we found out about solemn and Ten of Swords, we found out that there were two blades. You know, they kind of these, they were split up. So we, Wolverine has one, and Solomon has one. And kind of Wolverine's thought he's about to put them together. You know, he says, um, my hope was one day to unite them. And he says, Solomon would not have given his blade up so easy unless he had another. And he break like, just very easily snaps the blade in half. I'm, I'm not going to say super easy. I'm sure I cannot do it. <laughs> You know, us normal folk, but um, from Wolverine, pretty easily snaps it in half. And so not only realizes that he has a fake, he realizes that Solemn has been in his room, right? Kind of that, that sense of violation, right? And then just kind of that, the shiver that goes up your spine when you realize that your safe haven has been violated. And, you know, not only did someone take your stuff, but they were like pilfering through your stuff. Maybe they looked in your underwear drawer, right? Um whatever, as if Wolverine has underwear. Um, <laughs> well, we know he does because that one one time where he went through the airport and he had his uh, X-Men boxers on um, <laughs> with his cowboy boots. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, so Wolverine realizes that, that Solemn has been in his room and he's being played and he has an, the other memories of Blade and probably knows he can pretty easily retrieve his original from Blackmore, whatever he kind of wants to. So this bother Wolverine's quite a bit. Um, you know, says one more slide of hand. And, um, and he basically tells Sage, like, we need to investigate all the surveillance footage, you know, use all our Krakoan resources and figure out, you know, when he was here, what happened, where he might be. Um, yeah, and he gives a little, like, little paragraph here at the end the text piece is pretty nice he says uh Rico is a place I call home we don't always feel like I belong X-Force is a job intended to do good that doesn't always feel great sometimes you can be part of something and still feel apart from it that's business Nation's been shit with Hellfire and training companies been shit with oh wait no sorry the nation has been effed with <laughs> Hellfire and training companies been effed with I'm on it that's the job I'm putting in the time and put up a fight, but in the back of my head, I also know I can walk away at any second. But this, this is different. Solomon came into my den, the only patch of real estate I call my own. He stole something that don't even belong to me, something I'm a custodian of, and that chased my heart raw red. Now it's personal. I'm ready to make death. <laughs> um, maybe a little tough guy-ish, but that's okay. I mean, Percy's Wolverine is kind of borders on that. Uh, tough guy, a little some machismo, Clint Eastwood, um... But yeah, it's fun. This is a, man. I know I kind of was getting bummed out during the last um, kind of vampire story, and and where the, maybe the art fell off a little bit. And I don't know who's going to be the next rotation. If Eaton was just filling in a spot, or if he'll be back. I mean, 
By the way, they also saw him do something else recently and the art was fine. So, <laughs> I don't know what, what was going on. But anyway, having Hubert back and getting back in the solemn story has put this book right back at the top of the list for me. Um, it's bounced back in a major way. Percy's telling a great story here. I love the interaction with Solemn. I love... I love the introduction to Sever Blackmore. Like his personality and dialogue is fun. He's and just a nice, nasty, boisterous pirate, and that's great. Um, and yeah, man, it's just just a lot of fun. And then of course, getting Hubert back on the book is always a plus. Um, I love this issue. I liked it quite a bit. I don't remember. I was trying to remember and couldn't find my notes. <laughs> I forgot what notebook I wrote them in last time. But um, I don't remember if I gave a fourteen of five or a six, but I'm going full six claws on Wolverine number 15. I love this issue. I thought it was great. I thought it was fun. Uh, love, you know, I, there's just, there's a lot of that personal touch to it, right? It's not just he's fighting Solemn. It's that Solemn, you know, was in his room. Just that, I don't know, it, it does get real personal, right? And I, you know, I like Solemn's backstory. You know, he was you know, it's kind of, you know, it's not that different from, like, Thanos finding Gamora. Like, it's kind of what it reminded me of, right? Um, you know, especially the, the version in the movies. You know, this this big, hulking monster comes and slaughters the village and and picks the, the kid that survives and, and trains them to be the warrior. And then, you know, they eventually strike out on their own. Um, you know, and there's some scenes of that, but it doesn't feel derivative. It feels like a nice... Nice story with Blackmore as the pirate and, you know, Solemn kind of coming up through the ranks and then kind of superseding his boss and just, it's, it's fun. I enjoyed the backstory, love the art. The art's amazing in this issue as always. So yeah, Wolverine number 15 gets six out of six claws for me. It was a lot of fun. Glad to see this book kind of back on track. All right, so next up, I'm going to talk about Savage Avengers, and I believe it's number 24. Let me pull it up real fast. Where did it go? Uh, yeah, Savage Avengers number 24. And this is The Defilement of All Things by the Cannibal Sorcerer Kulun Goth Part 1. <laughs> all right, uh, written by Jerry Dugan, art by Patrick Zercher, uh, colors by Yava Tartaglia. Letters by VCs Travis Lanham. The cover is by Valerio Gian Giordano and Frank Diamarda. And on the cover, we have a giant cooling goth with a piece of what we're assuming is person meat hanging out of his mouth, like in between his teeth. And then he's grabbing Conan in his hand, and Conan's sword is falling out. It's an okay cover. I haven't really love this guy's covers, but it's fine. So we haven't been to Savage Avengers in a while. There's been like a Ghost Rider story and some other stuff, and the Kulin Goth story's kind of been in the background, like the constant theme. And remember, he, uh, he was eating, or trying to eat the, uh, Shuma Garoth, the big, like, tentacle guy, um, God, and has been absorbing his powers and using it, like, as a drug and stuff like that to to form an army, and then we also, I guess, in one of the issues I missed, because I haven't been reading them all, um, the the sickle priest, which is from, like, the first arc in the Savage Land, and they thought he was dead, he's back, and he is kind of, um, 
So New York City, uh, some Conan and Doctor Strange have been teaming up to try to really finish this mission. And we saw part of that in the last time we talked about this issue, the last time we checked in on the series. But um, anyway, the Sickle Priest, resurrected by his master, has revealed that uh, Kulin Goth has taken possession of the entire citizenry, and there's a floating city of Sickles in the sky above New York. And that's kind of where we start off. So... We start off with a cloaked figure, and there's an old Egyptian sarcophagus, and they're carving in September to the um, sarcophagus with a knife. Um, and then we see the floating city, and the citizens with green eyes staring above, praising their master, Kulin Goth, and of course, uh, Doctor Strange and Conan are like, no, no, no. Then we get a full page spread of Kulin Goth, and like green lightning sky, and he says, you know, he's going to kill Doctor Strange and Conan the Barbarian last. But they're like, hey, we're not alone. And um, all the heroes show up, including Wolverine. And by Wolverine, I mean Laura. With the current X-Men team, Captain America, She-Hulk, Spider-Man, you know, Avengers, Iron Man, Thor, some of the Fantastic Four. I don't know if that's Sunfire or Human Torch. He's really small in the back. Um, I'm going to think of Sunfire because it's definitely that X-Men team. Uh, then we have Black Panther. We have Blade. Um, it's a nice shot of, of the team. It looks pretty good. And Kulin Goth rains down part of the city on top of them. Uh, there's a part where Captain America throws a shield. Kulin Goth catches it and takes a bite out of it, which is weird. Uh, he's a cannibal, but shields aren't people. Um, then he zaps through She-Hulk with optic blast. And, you know, he's going to kill Conan but he gets blasted by Dr. Doom. So another set of heroes shows up, which is Dr. Doom, Logan, Black Widow, Juggernaut, um, Damien Hellstrom, uh, someone on a horse, a Valkyrie maybe, and Elektra. And they show up, and they're going to do what they can do. But off-panel, it all ends poorly. All our heroes die. We see their bodies and heads on spikes. And Kulin Goth is reigning supreme. And we see, like, on, on his throne, lots of skulls. We see Molnir, Captain America's shield, uh, Wolverine's cow, Thor's helmet, Ant-Man's helmet. And he's kind of bored, but he is trapped. No, Hulk, Banner. And he's wrapped Wolverine's claws around his neck like a necklace. But basically, the tips, the points, are digging into both sides of his neck. So it's like, like in the back of the claws, from each side interlocked, are three claws going around each side of his neck, and the tips are just barely cutting into his neck, with the idea that if he hulks out, he's going to lose his head. It's a really cool kind of trap, you know? I mean, he obviously uses magic to remove and reshape Wolverine's claws. I mean, it's, it's an interesting touch. It's kind of cool. Um... Yeah, you know, he talks about he's kind of killing the citizens, but he's kind of getting bored. But he captures Doctor Strange and puts him in this giant, like, crucifix. And the, the priests, they murder a horse, which really offends him. And then they bring Doctor Doom's body. So I guess at some point, you know, also off-panel, there was a battle where Latveria fell. And Conan is presumed dead. And now they finally got Doom. And Doom wakes up with a big sword and he starts cutting up Priest. And there's a, a, a nice scene where he throws like this big sickle through the air and stabs the priest in the eye. And he's just murdering these guys. And he takes off his mask 
and it's Conan under a Doom suit. And he says basically he was at Laveria, and Doom knew he was losing, and so he cast a spell on his armor to not be detected, and then put Conan in an old suit of armor and sent him to save Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange basically says, you know, don't worry about me. You can't save me anymore, but you can't avenge me. And he says, come here, I got a plan. And then later, Killing Goth shows up and says, I heard Doom was here, and he picks up the Doom, says it's not the right mask, it must be Conan, and he burns Doctor Strange alive. And then Doom goes to, um, it looks like the Museum of Natural History in New York City, um, and finds this sarcophagus, and he carves into it September 15th, 2043, and Kang shows up. Now, I was on board with this story, even with a lot of stuff happening between the pages, right? And there's a whole fall of the world <laughs> that we don't even see. We see the Avengers and the X-Men show up. We see Doctor Doom and his team, including Logan, show up. And they're nice panels, quite nice team shots. And then we go to the aftermath, which is cool and goth victorious and ruling the world from this floating city. Um... Would have been nice to have seen some of that action, but I was still pretty much on board, right? Condensing the story, we're getting to the part where Conan and Doctor Strange are going to come up with a plan. I guess the plan is obviously going to involve time travel, and Doctor Strange, I think, basically tells Conan how to piss King off so he'll show up, which is vandalizing the sarcophagus of Ramatut. Um, I even, you know, with the Loki show and kind of wondering what's going to happen in the MCU, I have made no secret that Kang is probably one of my least favorite Marvel villains. I just, I don't, it's been too convoluted, and even when people try to straighten out, it's just not that interesting to me. Um, so I was kind of bummed to see him. I know it's probably exciting for some readers, but, you know, as long as they keep it not too confusing, I mean, I guess we're going to go back in time, either help the heroes win or go even further back and you know, stop cooling Gotham succeeding in this plan at all. Um, you know, I don't know. But the art was pretty good. The story was pretty fun. Um, and I was, you know, I was pretty on board. It's one of the better issues of the series, I feel like, overall. Um, I'm going to give it four out of six claws. Uh, I think, I think I'm good with that. So, yeah. All right. Well, next up, we're going to talk about the Dark Ages, which is... Now, I don't always cover, like, alternate timeline stories. It really just depends on whether they tickle my fancy or not. And this one did. Um, for one thing, it's written by Tom Taylor, who's probably my overall favorite current writer right now. And it's art by Yvonne Quello, who I've grown to love a lot. And he's one of those guys that, like, I remember reading some of his early stuff. I think he even did some, like, X-Men tie-ins so maybe an event or something. Or I may be confusing his story with Javier Garon's. I don't confuse the art. I might be confusing their story. But anyway, he did some early stuff which I thought was good. But then I just noticed he just continued to get better and better. He wasn't always doing books I was in love with, like the Venom stuff. But his art was just so clean and dynamic and energetic. I just really fell in love with him. So... To see them together, I was definitely going to check this out. <laughs> and so we're going to talk about it, because we have Wolverine and Gabby also in it. Tom Taylor revisiting uh, 
Wolverine and well, we're going to say Honey Badger because I still refuse to say Scout. But um, yeah, so this is Dark Ages number one, written by Tom Taylor, art by Yvonne Quello, colors by Brian Reaver, letters by VCs Joe Savino, the cover is by uh, Quello and Frank Diamarda. And the cover is nice. I mean, it's a team shot in the dark. <laughs> and we have not a sun in the background, but like the flare of Iron Man's jet boots kind of on the horizon, giving backlight. And then our heroes are Spider-Man, Invisible Woman, Black Panther, Thing, and Iron Man just in a dark city. And the Dark Ages looks very like um, Middle Ages. Oh, actually, the font kind of reminds me of the old Battle Chasers font a little bit, if you remember that. Well, I mean, it's a pretty good cover. I mean, it's dark. There's not a whole lot going on, but it's pretty good. All right, so in this story, we're in the future a little bit, or an alternate timeline or whatever, and we have the Parkers, and I won't say the Cages, because I'm pretty sure Jessica Jones never... First of all, I don't know if they... I can't remember in which timelines they did or didn't get married, but I don't think in any of them she ever went by Jessica Cage. But, we have Danielle, and then the Parkers also have, this one of the timelines where they have their kid. Um, and, they just kept saying our daughter. I feel like she has a name. I don't remember which version they go with on the name, but I'm basically... She's climbing on the ceiling as a toddler, and Peter Parker's like, so? And then she's like, uh, and then Jessica Jones makes a very practical point that, um, you know, she could put her hand in a light socket, and Peter Parker's like, okay, fine. Um, so yeah, he hops up on the ceiling, he's going to pull her down, but all the spiders in the spider universe get hit with just a spider sense migraine. So we see Peter and his daughter and Miles and Gwen and it's just this terrible, terrible feeling. And then um, Moon Girl also gets a sense of something going real wrong and calls her dinosaur. And Jean and Xavier uh, get a sense of something really big happening. An apocalypse and this timeline is back on the Earth. Quello's apocalypse looks like a monster. It's great. Um, he's like, <laughs> like, he's a little more pleased with what's going on. But um, anyway, Spider-Man, of course, springs into action to see what's going on. Um, the Fantastic Four and uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur try to figure out what's going on. And the Earth starts shaking. And the Watcher shows up and says, this is it, folks. <laughs> I know I'm the Watcher that never always does more than watch, but I'm here to tell you it's the end of the world. And there's this creature, and he was... Let me see. Um, then we, um, says the Earth has hours, and they explain. There's this giant... Almost, it's kind of like celestial looking, but it's not. But um, 10 billion years ago, a living machine was created. It was made to protect the universe to stop entropy in its tracks to consume black holes. But over millennia, feeding on so much darkness changed the being, corrupted it to its core. Um, the unmaker was tainted and wild and began to unmake stuff. And the living tribunal captured it and buried it in Earth, um, where it's been. But now it is waking up and is going to unmake the universe. So, of course, the heroes are like, well, we can't allow that to happen. So we have science and magic. We have the Fantastic Four and Vision and then also Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch. And um, they pick a team, right? A strike force. 
to go figure out what's going on. So Vision, a living machine to fight a living machine. Scarlet Witch, a shape for reality to fight against a being who cannot make it. Uh, Doctor Strange, a sorcerer supreme to fight the pinnacle of technology. The Invisible Woman to protect them from the heat of the Earth's core. And the thing in case anything can be solved by hitting it really hard. That was great. And then you get an invisible bubble and then go to the center of the Earth. And a nice full page spread of this. Almost sounds like something out of a Superman comic, right? He's like this giant metal monster with lots of crackling green light and electricity between like the sheaths and his armor. It looks pretty awesome. Anyway, they find it. He throws rock at it. And Black Panther realizes there's an earthquake and he jumps into action and they try to start saving people. Um, Alpha Flight in Canada. Then we get a nice double snick and Wolverine and Gabby running and they're helping Captain America save people and they're just being heroes, which is really nice to see, right? They're just there, they're saving people and they're trying to help while the strike team is trying to take care of the monster. Uh, This thing obliterates the thing. Um, the Unmaker unmakes the thing and like pebbles of the thing fall at the invisible woman's feet. Um, you know, it's funny, the panel reminds you of the days of future past with the sentinel like blast Wolverine from the palm of his hand. It's a similar panel and he just blasts the thing into literal pebbles. Um, you know, Vision and Scarlet, uh, the Unmaker unmakes Scarlet Witch and she drifts away into dust like in the uh, Infinity War. Um, and then Vision gets mad and strikes at him. He goes inside of him but it doesn't really seem to do anything. Uh, Doctor Strange and Invisible Woman uh, open this portal. Doctor Strange pulls in from a universe that's like all electromagnetic. Um, so he says, basically he says, he opens a portal to a dimension where no electricity can function, and there's an electromagnetic pulse beat at the heart of the realm, and he's going to open that. And what happens is, it's working, but the, the Unmaker unmakes the Invisible Woman's force field and spears Doctor Strange through the chest and kills him before he can close the portal. So they actually, it's, it's, it's one of those kind of interesting stories, right, where they, they win, Initially, they undo and defeat the Unmaker, but this electromagnetic pulse from this other dimension can't be shut off because Doctor Strange can't close the portal because he's dead. And so basically, it shoots out from the Earth and sends the whole planet into, like the title says, a dark age. So we see some things going on, right? Like Iron Man's armor fails and he falls out of the sky, and Ant Man is stuck at giant size and he can't shrink. I don't know. I'm not sure if pin particles are really electric, but anyway, we see like a, a guy with his pacemaker like dies and Viv at the Challenger champion base um, dies. And I guess Peter Parker's web swingers have electronics in them. And he can't spin webs anymore. And when he's trying to get home, he gets back to his building and it's collapsed. And he's like, no! But then uh, Jessica and Luke are there and they're trying to dig people out. And Peter moves a rock and sees his toddler holding this giant rock overhead, protecting uh, Danielle, Aunt May, and Mary Jane. He cries and weeps. And then we jump to the future. We we know it's the future because Peter Parker has Reed Richard gray hair on his temples. He's got a Spider-Man hoodie and some different web shooters on his forearms. And basically says, you know, that's that's what happened. Here's where we are. And then we see a last 
splash page of who's going to be our bad guys and it's apocalypse and it's a werewolf looking beast and you know our new massive she-hulk and I don't actually know this is supposed to be Lady Deathstrike it looks kind of like her but she's a little dark uh, which is fine kind of cool or it could be um, I don't know not sure the hairdo also makes it looks kind of like Frenzy, but definitely has long Lady Deathstrike fingernails. Then Mr. Fantastic, um, but an evil version, you know, because his fingers are super long. And then what's, what looks like Miles Venom, or Venom in a Miles design costume. Then a steampunk Iron Man, who obviously does not run on electricity. So, there you go. Um, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a fun story, it's, you know, kind of Tom Taylor bringing his doom and gloom story that he's done so good at DC, bringing that to Marvel, you know, kind of a counteract to his more lighthearted fun stuff that, that is also equally or even maybe more awesome. But this is pretty good, and the art's great. Um, I enjoyed seeing Wolverine and Gabby um, just help, like just being heroes on the street, helping people. That was pretty awesome. So, um, anyway, uh, all in all, I would give this, it's an intriguing enough of a start. And it's visually pleasing. I'm going to give Dark Ages number one uh, five out of six claws. Alright, so last thing we're going to do is talk about our Gambus Gumbo catch-up from Grant. So we're going to talk about, and others hopefully, <laughs> but at least Grant. Uh, we're going to talk about Excalibur number 23. So, into the title page. This is Knightly Orders, with a K, or In the Service of Lord Doom, written by Teeny Howard, art by Marcus Toe, colors by Eric Arseniega, letters by VCs Ariana Mayer, and then designed by Tom Mueller, uh, Mahmoud Azrar, and Matthew Wilson do the cover. And on the cover, we have an Excalibur team pose. Of course, mine is Rogue. She's on the X-Men now. But in the front center is Dr. Doom. Now, what this kind of reminds you of, and I don't remember if it was issue one, but one of the early Scour issues of this volume had kind of a similar team pose with Apocalypse front and center, because he was, you know, kind of the lead of the book at first. Um, so it's kind of a similar pose, but replacing Apocalypse with Dr. Doom. And I will say, I know it doesn't work, because he's not a mutant, but Dr. Doom's presence in this kind of story makes a lot more sense. <laughs> and it's, it's a great cover. It really is. It looks nice. Alright, so we find out uh, remember we have Braddock Isle now, which is a piece of kind of Krakoan Island off the coast of England where Excalibur is now based since they were kicked out of England. Uh, Richter helped, I guess it's not really Krakoa, but Richter helped break off like part of England with the lighthouse. And that's now Braddock Isle and that's where Excalibur is teamed. And they are invaded by Doom and some Doom bots. And Doom has a mission. He, I guess, you know, at one point he had romantic tie-in with Morgana Le Fay. And of course she's, you know, involved in other world. And Doctor Doom wants to go get something. <laughs> Basically, it kind of explains why they're, you know, they're not together anymore. But like every breakup, you know, sometimes you have to get your things from your ex. And he basically proposes that he needs to get through the gate, the Krakoan gate to Otherworld, so he can go to his girlfriend's castle, or ex-girlfriend's castle, and, and find what he's looking for. 
And Excalibur's like, I'm not sure I'm going to help you. And he goes, well, I'm not asking permission. And he unfurls his cape and he has a mutant baby in his arms. Um, it says, this is my key to the gate. I'll use this. You know, the Excalibur says, well, we're not going to help you. And you can't get through a gate without us. Like, you need a mutant escort. And he, so he brought his own. And everyone's kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where'd you get the baby? Like, who'd you steal this from? He says, oh, it's a, it's a Latin variant citizen. Don't worry about it. Uh, he doesn't really say the parents are dead or unknown, but kind of hints at it. And Scotland's kind of like, no, whoa, 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 whoa. We're going to, okay, we'll help you. We're going to take the baby. We'll be your scout team. Dr. Doom's like, Doom doesn't need a scout team. Like, <laughs> I know I kind of can be a little hard on Tini Howard at times, but I actually really enjoy her Dr. Doom voice. Um, I mean, what you want is a crazy megalomaniac and. And it's good. And he also says a line about being tired of magic, and kind of that's the reader point of view as well. <laughs> we got that a couple of times this week. We're not going to talk about X Force because there's no Wolverine to speak of. But there's a line where Beast says, "Well, I guess everybody missed the old Beast," and we're like, "Yeah, the readers do." <laughs> but anyway, um, so basically, he agrees to turn over the baby. Jubilee takes it. But then Excalibur is going to take Doctor Doom to Otherworld through the gate and be their scout. And so they do. And um, we can see them all in their full medieval outfits. Um, uh, Richter and Gammon especially. And, and Megan comes along. And so that's fun. And But then they are met by an assassin from who has like a squid arrow. It's like an arrow with like octopus tentacles. Um... And he's from Sevalith. He's the, one of the dark vampire bondage guys. And uh, so, you yeah, know, they're doing that. And um, and so, you know, I've been talking, and I guess Tini Howard's reading 90s stuff. Because I've been kind of complaining that, you know, in the 90s, Gambit's quote-unquote charm is that he's just kind of a horn dog. <laughs> There's a part here where he's like, oh, maybe the assassin was after Megan. So Megan's like, oh, then I'll travel incognito. And she transforms herself into a raven-haired um, female. And Gamma's like, whoa, what a beautiful specimen. <laughs> no, she actually says, there, now I'm just any traveling mutant. And Gamma says, and a lovely one at that. And the facial, the facial expression he has is like, shwing, um, which, you know, he's married now. And I know, that, you know, different people have different philosophies on, you know, how... You know, there's some people that are like, well, you know, I, I only have eyes for my lover. And there's some people are like, well, I'm I'm devoted, but my eyes can wander. And so, I mean, there's different philosophies on that, I guess. But um, anyway, Gambit just kind of, I don't know. I, I love for Gambit to be roguish. And kind of a rapscallion, right? And that, almost that, that Han Solo personality. I don't like for him to be a pig. <laughs> And I'm not saying he is in this scene, but I think, you know, what I think it is, is I'm filtering this scene. <laughs> so let me just admit my bias. Get my bias out of the way. That's important, right? When you're talking about subjective stuff like this is, you know, having, claiming your bias. So my bias is right now reading a lot of 1993 Gambit stuff where he often is just kind of gross at times. So that's all fresh in my mind. So when he's like, Oh yeah, and, uh, you know, a lovely one. You know, like he's almost hitting on Megan here. He's also married, by the way. I don't know, and just 
it's weird. It's probably a lot more innocent than if you're just reading it now. But, like I said, filtering it through kind of him being a little bit of a dick in the 90s. Um, <laughs> you know, there you go. So anyway, uh, they're trying to figure out where to go, and they go to then the castle's gone. There's a big crater where the castle should be. And Doom's like, oh, and uh, Jubilee remembers that she can use her fireworks to to summon fairies, so she does that, and they try to talk, and then Megan talks to them, and the castle was moved. And um, Doom's like, no! And so they go to the fair, the market fair, um, to try to see, you know, if, if someone moved the castle, they're probably trying to sell it. So they go there, and they split up. Doom and Captain Britain, uh, Betsy are looking, you know, they're going to talk to Jim Jaspers because he's, you know, in charge of, of the, the fair. Um, sorry, the Crooked Market is what it's actually called. My apologies. Um, anyway, and the rest of the scholars just kind of walk around and, and shop and mess around. Um, Gambit decides to gamble. Um, why wouldn't he? And Doom tries to negotiate with Jasper basically what he wants to return what is left of Morgana Le Fay's effects. Is he wants to be able to keep, he says, you know, he also trades in rumors and has some juicy Doom rumors. Um, but his final asking price is that Doom owes him and owes him an army. So if he ever needs like an army and Doom bots, Doom has to pay up. And Captain Britain's like, no, that's not going to work. And they're like, well, we'll make our own deals. We don't need you. Um, anyway, Gammon gets busted for cheating. He plays one of Saturnine's tarot cards in a game to win. Um, and they don't like that. But then these robots show up. And they keep saying, calling someone friends of Mordred, which is Arthur's illegitimate son. Um, and the legend goes that, you know, Arthur had this, there was this prophecy that one of Arthur's, Arthur's sons would rise up and kill him. And when his son Mordred is born, he decides, you know, this is no good. And he, he banishes him or, or tries to kill him in his case. I'm not exactly sure, but that's the legend. So these robots start showing up. And they're like, friends of Mordred, and they're attacking Excalibur. And, you know, Doom helps them. They find this box, and Doom's like, the castle? That's all that's left of the castle? And Jasper's is like, yeah. And they make a deal, which isn't entirely clear what it is, if it's the original deal the Captain Britain injected to or something else. But anyway, they continue to fight, and they eventually are able to defeat these machines by arguing with them that Captain Britain is... Um, you know, a representative of the Citadel, and if you make war with me, you make war with the Citadel, and they're like, well, no, we serve, um, who do they serve? They keep saying, sorry, they're, they're, they're yelling about Mordred, and then they even attack Megan, because Megan reveals herself and says, no, it's me, Queen Sorceress of Avalon, and if you attack us, you're attacking all of Avalon, and they're like, well, we shouldn't do that, but we have to because they keep saying the Forge Master Federal. I don't really know who that is. Um, anyway, they say, well, you know, you make a good point. Um, you know, we've sworn fealty to Arthur that King returned. Remember we saw at the end of last issue that uh, Merlin has King Arthur like in a cage. 
So that's going on. And so they're going to go back and discuss whether what what takes precedent, like her status as Captain Britain or her treacherous status as a friend of Mordred. And so they leave. Doctor Doom takes his box. Inside his box is a shrunken castle. So he's got the whole thing, and he writes a letter to Cy, uh, I'm sorry to Captain Britain, basically explaining what happened and. You know, basically kind of says, you know, ignoring the Fantastic Four story, he says, I don't need a bride, but if I ever did, you're the kind of woman I would like. Like, you stood up to me, and you're strong, and, you know, whatever, I'm kind of in love with you. <laughs> basically what he says. And then, um, Betsy and Megan are talking, and they're trying to figure out what these robots are doing. And Megan says, well, I have a theory. And... and I, I don't really know entirely how she gets to this conclusion. It's an interesting story plot. But basically she says, the reason that Arthur feared his son and thought he would fulfill the prophecy is because his son was a mutant. Mordred's a mutant. So when they say we're friends of Mordred, they're just attacking mutants. And that's what's going on. I actually thought that was pretty interesting. So, so this book has been up and down for me, obviously. The art was really good. It always is when Marcus Toe is involved. Um... I won't lie, having Doctor Doom in this issue elevates the book a lot, in my esteem. And I really like the way Howard does Doom. Like, really interesting. And it's, it's, she nails it. And then, you know, I, I'm kind of over some of the magic plot, but the twist of, like, you know, Mordred maybe being a mutant and maybe a battle coming with Arthur... As long as it's done okay, I mean, it definitely, you know, one of the things I often complain about when I do complain about this book is that it feels kind of like a ship without a rudder. And when this book has focus, it's pretty good. And I feel like this issue, if it goes in the right way, like this issue by itself has some focus and could lead to a, a story that maybe goes above or goes beyond kind of just his magic fantasy roots and actually does something interesting. Maybe. We'll see. But this issue by itself, I had a good time. So I'm going to give it Scalver, uh, what? Oh man, what number was this? Uh, where did you, where'd you go? Uh, 23. I'm going to give it 4 out of 6 claws. Didn't love it, but I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think really the only thing holding it back from a 5 is I'm still a little on the fence about, you know, the magic stuff, but, it, I mean, it, this is one of the better issues of the series, I thought. Like, it really, really kind of stands out, and a lot of it was Doctor Doom. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, Alright, well, that is our episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Sorry it's so late. Um, So, next up, either, maybe at the same time as this, because I am behind, or pretty soon after, I'm going to cover the new Infinity Comics on Marvel Unlimited. So if you don't have Marvel Unlimited, that's fine. You can either skip that episode, or it'll be called To Infinity and Beyond, because <laughs> I'm a dork. Um, so you can either skip it, or you can um, listen to it and kind of hear what's going on with it until you get a chance to read it. So either way. So, hey, all right, Emmett is awake. Emmett, come here, buddy. The iPad turn off while you were sweeping. Okay, well, here, let me finish this real fast. I'm just going to tell people where to find my podcast, okay? Okay. So, guys, for the podcast that goes in it, of course, you like the Facebook page. Twitter's at Snickcast. Show notes and stuff are snickcast.podbean.com. 
And until next time, everyone, stay safe, stay well out there. Um, yeah. So until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. And snacked.